Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. We thank God for today and it's a communion service. Communion service is a life-changing service. Communion service is a supernatural, spiritual statement that is being made on the behalf of somebody. And I see God will put laughter in your mouth and it will take you from glory to glory in Jesus' name. I just want us to, today's Bible reading, I want to take it from today's, uh, today's reading because today's reading was so strong and so appropriate for communion there's nothing else to focus on but to go into today's reading in Isaiah chapter 53. Thank you, Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible says that, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, sh- for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground, out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and and who shall declare his generations for he was cut off he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of the the people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he has because he had done he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall, uh, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant Justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore will I divide him as a portion with the great, and he shall and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare and, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Amen. Wow. What a powerful reading. What a powerful text. When you read from the verse 1, it talks about how, who has believed, the, who has believed our report. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, this is very important. He says, our, our report, people don't easily believe the gospel. People don't easily believe the gospel for two reasons. One, main reason, the minds, uh, the eyes of their minds have been blinded by the prince of this world. Two, because when they knew God, they refused to glorify him as God. They, 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 the Bible says that they did not want to acknowledge him in their thinking. Romans chapter 1, verse 30. They refused to, verse 30 and 31. They refused to acknowledge him. They refused to acknowledge him as God in their thinking. They don't want him. And that, is, that is the typical state of every human being. No human being wants God, even as they did not retain God. Verse, verse 28 again. Even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave, they did not retain him. Let's go to the verse 29 30 in their, in their knowledge. Um, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, malice, murder, strife, and the uh, uh, evil mindedness, they are whispers. Okay, verse 30 talks about disobedience to parents, I think. Backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boosters. Inventors of if disobedient to parents. Okay, they talk, that's why I went first. Disobedient to parents. It's also another whole thing. It's a sign of uh, unregenerate. All right. So those of you who are born again, who are still working in that, whether natural parents or spiritual parents. <clears throat> so it says that they did not retain, want to retain God in their thinking. So they didn't know God. And that is why they reject God. Fallen man. That's the, that's the default Default condition of every man, okay? That's the default condition of every That's the default condition of every man. The default condition of every fallen man is we do not want to know God. So how come some of us escaped and came to know God? It's because he gave us the willingness for us to desire to know him. So when you hear the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, for those of us who are called, who were, Bible said, for those he called, he also predestined. So those of us who are called, once we hear his voice, he gives us the willingness. It comes within the gospel. The gospel donates us. The gospel, that's why it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. It says that for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. That's any man who should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. So it's not of you. It's a gift. For it is a gift of God. Verse 9. He said, none of your dies. He said, uh, no, no, verse 8, sorry. Uh, verse 8 back. That, uh, yeah, it is, it is the gift of God. It's not of your faith. It's a gift. For by grace are you. Salvation is a gift. The faith that we even come to is a gift. God gives us. So that no man, no flesh. Look at the next verse. No, not of work, lest any man should boast. 
So God will not give any flesh, anyone, to have the right to boast and glorify himself in the presence of God, or in the, in the presence of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 27, somewhere there, it talks about not many noble, not many. God has chosen the base things of the world to confound the world, that no flesh should be glorified, or no, uh, uh, how many of you are not, how, how not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Verse 27, um, but God has chosen the foolish things and the base things of the, uh, uh, foolish things of the world to confound the wise and has chosen the weak things, some translation, base things of this world to confound the, uh, uh, to confound the things which are mighty. What the, the, go to the next verse. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, verse 29, uh, that no, that, why did he do that? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Because Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, none seeks after God. None. None seek, there is none that understands, there is none that seeks after God. So all human beings are in the same condition. So those of us who, have, who seek after him, who now want him, it, is, it did not come from us. It came from God. God decided to choose some of us so we can want him, so that we become the vessels of his glory, according to Romans chapter 9, verse 22. He has chosen us to be the vessels of his glory, all right? And that those others must be the vessels of his wrath. So we are supposed to be, the, it's just a choice, that he might make known the riches of his, uh, of his glory on the vessels of mercy. So we are the vessels of mercy, which... He had a time prepared. He has prepared us already. So he, he, he chose us that we might be to the riches. Uh, he, he, might, he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. And the other ones, verse 23, are the, uh, 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 so that's 22, are the vessels of wrath. So the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. All right. So God himself has chosen us. So we who are chosen cannot boast if you are saved. It's a humbling experience. That's why this morning I said, you should be the last person to be offended in church. <laughs> you should be, because the amount of things you have done, the amount of fornication, hey, the amount of things you have done, gossip, lying, bad things, the things you have won, the things you have done, the amount of wheat you have smoked, if they sell it, you can make somebody with a melon. <laughs> and so the point I'm making is that those of us who are saved is just a pure, watch this, salvation is the act of God. Let me come back. So it says that the gospel is not, is not normally accepted. So it is a problem when the church wants to repackage the gospel to be accepted. The gospel cannot be accepted by fallen man, apart from those God has chosen. Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He said, for, for, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. In other words, there's no attraction. When you look at him, the way Jesus looked like, there's nothing that depicted uh, uh, majesty around him in his natural life. He lived a simple, basic life. It's like something that's just grown from the ground. He said, for us, you won't believe. And then when you use the word, the arm of the Lord, the arm of the Lord there is talking about actually God, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the arm of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 
51 verse 9. It talks about the arm of the Lord. You know, the arm, look, Isaiah chapter 50, 51 um, verse 9 says, Awake, awake, put, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. That's talking about Jesus. Awake. As, as in the ancient days, in the generations of... So, it, uh, Isaiah 40 verse 10 as well, it refers to Jesus as the arm of the Lord or the outstretched arm. Behold, the Lord will come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Who is that? That's Jesus. Jesus is the arm of the Lord. So he said, to whom is, who, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord. In fact, in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 51, when uh, Elizabeth was uh, uh, singing, sorry, Mary, he says that he has showed strength with his arm. That arm is talking about Christ. God shows strength with his arm. He's, so Christ is the arm of the Lord. And he said, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To whom, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, this is very important because this, the, the Jews, the Jews did not want to accept Jesus. When he came, he, they, they didn't want to accept, they didn't want to believe the report. But in the last days, this will be their song. This Isaiah, entire Isaiah 53 will be the song and the confession of the entirety of the Jews. And when you look at Isaiah chapter 50, 53 very carefully, you realize that it is a clear depiction of Christ, his, his incarnation. So when you look at the verse 3, look at the verse 3, you will see when you look at the verse 1, uh, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? All right, from verse 1, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This is talking about when he became a human being. Verse 2, verse 2, for he, he shall grow up before him. This is talking about his humanity as a tender plant, as a root out of the ground. He, the ground talks about, uh, you know, we are made out of the dust of the ground. So he grew up like ordinary human being. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. It's not, you can't say, oh, this is a king. This is a Messiah. Look at verse 3. There's no beauty. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrow. That's humanity. A man of sorrow sorrows acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed his name not so from the verse one to verse three talking about his humanity hallelujah and talking about his incarnation when we hear the word incarnation how christ god became man so he became the becoming manness of god okay the incarnation that's why some people talk about reincarnation reappearing in a physical form again, reincarnation. There's nothing like reincarnation. But this one is appearing for the first time as a human, in a human form. That is called, in theological circles, the incarnation of Christ. He already existed, but he now became, uh, appeared in a physical form. So the first part talks about his incarnation. And there are th four aspects of the life of Christ, uh, Messiah. The incarnation, the uh, um, crucif crucifixion and burial and then the resurrection and the ascension and all you see it was covered in this Isaiah chapter 53 and then when you look at the next part verse 4 all the way to verse 10 from chapter uh, verse 4 all the way surely we, he has bore our, this is talking about the cross he carried our sorrows on the cross we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. That's on the cross. Verse 5. Verse 5. 
but, we, uh, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment of our peace was upon him. He was, uh, by his stripes we are healed. This is all talking about the crucifixion. Verse 6, by his stripes we are healed. He was led as a sheep. Uh, sorry, we all as sheep have gone astray. We have, we have, turned, uh, uh, we have turned everyone to his own ways, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity, all the bad things we have done, God put it on him. Where? On the cross. Verse 7. He has laid on the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Wasn't he the, wasn't he the lamb of God? He was brought as the lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shares was done, so he opened not it. This is, he didn't defend himself, but he willingly went to the cross because of you and I. This is all talking about the cross. Verse 8. Um, he was taken from prison and from judgment and he uh, and who and who shall declare his generations that's the cut him off he for he was cut off out of the land of the living that's it. they killed him for the transgressions of of my people he was stricken verse 9 this is all the cross and he made his grave this is very important all right so he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was, uh, uh, was any deceit found in his mouth. Those of us who like lying and deceit, it can affect you, you know, can affect even the way you die. <laughs> because, because there was no de violence in him, nor deceit found in his mouth. When I was reading, I said, oh, wow. So those of us who like deceiving people and saying that I'm coming, but you know you are not coming. He said, oh, I was there. You know you are not there. Oh, that thing. Some of you guys, you keep lying to girls. I'm telling you, when the city you see in your mouth, it's not good. <laughs> Hallelujah. No deceit in his mouth. Um, yeah. And then when you jump to verse 10b, it then it begins to describe the resurrection. So 10a, uh, yes, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's the cross. He, he has put him to grief. That's the cross. When, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, that's the cross. He shall see his seed. That's God. Resurrection is coming in. He shall see his seed and prolong his, his days. That's the resurrection now. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That's the resurrection. So you can see the resurrection depicted right here. Look at verse 11. It continues to depict the resurrection. He, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By, the knowledge, uh, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant, that's talking about, Jesus Christ justified many. That's in his resurrection. He was justified by the resurrection. For he shall bear their iniquities. All right. And then when you go to the verse 12, the verse 12 talks about his ascension. Therefore, will I divide a portion with the great? That will I divide him a portion with the great? And he shall, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because this, is, this is talking about the, the resurrection. Uh, sorry, ascension. He's now in enthronement. He's, he's reigning. Whatever belongs to greatness has been given to you. Therefore, God has highly exalted in Philippians chapter 2 and given him a name. And so you can see, watch this, that the incarnation, the crucifixion and death, the resurrection and the ascension represented in Isaiah chapter 53, which by God's grace we read today. Hallelujah. And I want to show you something more as uh, to run it up. I said in my earlier comments that this, is, this, this whole Isaiah 53 is going to be the confession and the song of the Jews when they are saved. In, according to Romans chapter 
um, 11 verse 26. This is a very interesting thing I'm teaching now. Watch this. Romans 11, 26 and 27. It talks about how Israel shall be saved. And so all, uh, uh, all, 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 somebody say all. All Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, talking about Christ, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Wow. Verse 27. For this is my covenant with them, when I shall take away their sins. All Israel shall be saved. But it's going to come one day. At the, after the second coming, Amagadon, Israel will begin to realize what they have done to Christ who came to save them. And they will grieve. Israel will, the whole of Israel, not every human being will be saved, but all Israel will be saved. Because they are God's covenant people. They are God's covenant people. Now they are lo a, a lot of them are not saved. No problem. A time is coming. A time is coming in the latter times where they shall be saved. Look at Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. Zechariah chapter 12. This same thing is talking about Israel. What it says that I will just talk, talking about God. God said, I will pour, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Wow. This is a prophecy. God prophesied to Zechariah. He spoke through Zechariah that I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon, watch this, watch this, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. It was talking about Jesus mainly. Much of it is depicting Jesus Christ. David was a prophet. My God, my God. Well, look at verse 16. The verse 16 says that, verse 16, for dogs have compassed me. They assemb uh, uh, sorry, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. They pierce, he said, John chapter 19, verse 34 and 37. He says that one of the soldiers came with a spear and pierced his side. And forthwith came, uh, uh, came there out blood and water. Blood and water. Blood. They pierced him not only in his side. They put crown of thorns on his head and he was scratched. It was, he was pierced. But not just that. The main places of piercing was Jesus the pierced one. Okay. Jesus the pierced one. He was pierced. He was pierced. So you don't have to pierce yourself. He was... <laughs> Jesus... <laughs> Don't come and tell me. No, you see, Jesus even had piercing. No, that's why you don't need the piercing. He, <laughs> he had piercing, so you don't need to afflict yourself. <laughs> he was pierced. Where was he pierced? Look at his hands. In John chapter 20, verse 20, verse 25, verse 27. In Luke chapter 24, verse 40. See, he said, verse 20, said, and when he said, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then, uh, uh, then were these disciples glad when they saw the Lord. So he showed, see, my hands, look at my hands, look at my side. He showed them the pierce. The piercing was the evidence for the communion. The piercing was the evidence, it was the platform, it was the basis for our redemption. Without the piercing, there is no basis for our redemption. Without the piercing, his blood, would he, would he have shed his blood? He shed his blood because they pierced his hands. Hallelujah. They pierced his feet. Hallelujah. They pierced his side so we can have the communion. What's the communion? 
Our redemption, our redemption is on the grounds, is on the basis of the piercing of Christ. So verse 25, John chapter 20, verse 25 and verse 27. I believe someone is catching something. Thank you, Jesus. John 20, 25, he says that the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, this is talking about Thomas, but he said unto them, except I see in his hands the prints of the nails. Is that not the piercing he's talking about? The actual Greek word says, the piercings of the nails and put my finger into the piercing of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. The verse 27, Thomas, you want to see my piercing? Then he said to him, reach out thy finger and behold my hands and reach out, uh, reach hither thy hand and thrust into my side. He said, pierce it, put your feet, the pierce, he showed his piercing. He showed his piercing. In fact, when, they, when he resurrected and he came to them and they were about to have dinner, he was, when they came, he was actually eating and he said, he said, join me. And they said they thought he was a ghost in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 38, 39. And then we are going to 40, but it's good to read from maybe 38. And then he said unto them, why are you troubled? Why, why are your, uh, uh, and why do thoughts arise in your heart? I'm not a ghost, verse 13. I'm not a ghost. Behold, my hands and my feet, that is, uh, that it is I myself. Look, this is the piercing hands. Handle me, see, for the spirit, uh, that's a ghost, for a spirit has not flesh and bones. As you see me, I didn't have blood. He didn't have blood. Normally, we say flesh and blood. Here he said flesh and bones because his blood has been drained that, that's why the piercing, the piercing was to drain his blood so we can drink his blood. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. It says that for you have been, uh, he has purchased the church with his own blood, with his own blood. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. He purchased the church with his own blood. He purchased the church to feed the flock of God, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So he paid his blood. The blood was shed. The blood was played. How did he shed the blood? Through the piercing. The piercing was the ground for the flow of the blood. And so they drained all the blood in him to the extent that water came after the blood. They, they pierced his side. His hands and his feet had already been pierced. When they pierced his side, blood came out first. And then what, what else came? Water. Blood came, then water, blood is finished, so now water is continuing. Everything is gone. He drained it. So when he appeared to you, he said, listen, a ghost has not got flesh and bones. I have got flesh and bones, but my blood has gone. So what was running? It was light that was flowing through him. Hallelujah. It was light that was flowing through in his resurrection. Praise God. Look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And when he has that spoken, he showed them his hand and his feet, the piercing. He showed because it's the, the piercing is the basis for our redemption, which is the platform for our communion. It shows that he's paid it. He's paid the price. In, in John chapter 19, verse 34, they pierce his side. 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 And asked, just like the way Adam, God opened the side of Adam and brought out the woman. They had to pierce his side so that the church 
the church can be formed. Blood came first to pay for our sins. And guess what? Water, which means life. The life of God was issued out of him, and it, it comes into us. So blood came to cover us. It is not, oh, 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 oh. It is not enough for us to be redeemed. It is not to, enough for us to have eternal life. It is also necessary for us to be the sons of God. So we can carry the life of God, the sons of God, the life of God. So him, the only begotten son, him, the only begotten son, Jesus, the only begotten son, according to John chapter 1 verse 18, John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 1 18 talks about how the son, it says that no one has seen the father, but the only, only begotten son who is from the internal part, the bosom of the father has defined him, has declared him, has manifested him. So he's the only begotten son. So he says that they will see whom they have pierced. Je Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. Back to Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourns his only son. Jesus had to be the only son fought for so that we can have, watch this, this is important. The reason why he is the only son, the only son is the only one who can give us redemption, who can redeem us and also give us eternal life. So John 3, 14 says that as Moses raised the serpent in the wilderness, the way as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son, you see the son, the son of man be lifted. Why? What, for what purpose? Verse 15, verse 15, uh, that whosoever believe in him should not perish. That's redemption comes in. We shouldn't perish by what? But have a, 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 a eternal life. So we are not perishing and we are having eternal life. That is why he is the son. The only son is the one through whom we can have redemption so we don't perish and have eternal life. So by him being the only son, he secures redemption for us and he secures eternal life for us. That is why those of us who are believers, we will not be judged. We will not stand before the great white throne to be judged. We will only appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for reward and payment. But those who appear before the great white throne is for eternal damnation. Those who appear, those the dead who come out of the sea and hell gives up, they are not making it to heaven. They are going, they are on their way to hell, but the books must certify it must be, you know, it's like death certificate. So this one is hell certificate. They make sure you, your name is not written, and they read the things you have done, then they stamp. You are qualified for hell. Away, then they throw you. They will cast you into hell. That's how they, they cast, they, it is cast. You don't, you are not led into hell. You are cast into hell. But we, because of the redemption of the cross, because of the redemption on the cross, because of, watch this, hoo, 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 because of his pierced hands and his pierced feet and his pierced side, we, he shed his blood to buy us, to pay for our sins. That is why God doesn't punish believers. God purifies believers. He doesn't punish believers because all the punishment is, the, is to be in my next teaching in Peter or later teachings. All the punishment that we must take was given to Christ. Bible says that for the punishment, Isaiah chapter 53, for the chastisement of our sins, for the punishment of our transgression was laid upon him, verse 6 and 7, Isaiah chapter 53. It says that for the punishment, he like... Uh, 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 Verse 5, 
NIV. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We deserve the punishment, but they put it on him. So God is not going to, punishment that Christ has taken, he's not going to take it and put it on you again. Ah, so God doesn't punish me if I, I, I misbehave. He won't punish you, but he will polish you. He won't punish you, but he will, he will purify you. Unbelievers will be punished. Believers are not punished. So there's fire that we go through as believers. A, a, an unbeliever and a, a believer may go through the same challenges. One of them is, both they are all going through fiery trial. One is for punishment and the other is for purification. God, when so be careful when you are disobeying God. He will purify you. He will put you through fire. If you are born again, God will discipline you. Suddenly, everything, all hell will break loose on you. God will allow some things to happen so you don't go too far into the hands of the enemy. And Satan sometimes is smart enough. You've left church, but then he begins to make things work for you. As soon as you left church, things are working. You have bought a new car. You have bought a new house. You have got a new man. You have got a new woman. Yeah, things are working. You seem to be prospering. Business opportunity is coming. He will let you keep going. Keep going. So you go fully thinking that this thing is working. And after he has taken you out of coverage area, he begins to pound you. He begins to pound you. He be You'll be screaming, but no one will hear because you are out of coverage area. The devil is a liar. And Jesus Christ is the son, the only son for our redemption. But he's also not the, he's not the only son. He's not just the only son, sorry. He's not just the only son. He's also the firstborn son. What's the benefit of him being the firstborn son? So that through him we can also become sons. So he was made, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, he was made, he was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection. Verse 4, he was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection. According to the spirit of holiness, he was declared to be the son of God. He saw he was the son of Romans chapter 1, chapter 8, verse 29. He says that those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. How? That the son might become the firstborn. He had to be the firstborn amongst many brethren. First, he was born out from the flesh. Someone has attained divinity status. Someone has, has attained the nature of God, has received the nature of God from the flesh, from humanity. And so he became the first human. The, uh, remember Hopos Gramos, our pioneer, our leader. He, he went ahead of us so we can all go. Bible says in bringing many sons, Hebrews chapter 2, verse, verse, verse 9, it said, in bringing many sons to glory, in bringing many sons to glory, it pleased God in making the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. How? Because he, the 10, he was bringing many sons to glory. He was bringing many sons to glory. Did you see that? In bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of our salvation perfect through suffering. Bringing many sons to glory. 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 We are sons. We were made sons by Jesus Christ's sonship. So we are not only redeemed and we are not only, uh, have, we don't only have uh, eternal life. We also are the sons of God. What's the benefit of being the sons of God? So we can be heirs. It's loaded. We are sons, so we can be full-blown beneficiaries of all the good things in God, whatever God is, and be partakers of the triune God, the God. We are partakers of God himself and his inheritance. So Romans chapter 8, verse 14, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And verse 15, let's go quickly. For 
if uh, for ye he have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but he have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16. For, for the, the spirit itself, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God. So we are children so we can be heirs. We are entitled, we have an entitlement in God. We have an entitlement to enjoy everything Christ has secured for us on the cross. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joins heirs with Christ. If so be that we have suffered with him, that we will be able, we will be also glorified with him. We are bona fide heirs. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. I love that. He said, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ. So we are not only redeemed, but we are children. We didn't only get redemption, but we also got sonship. We only not got redemption, we also got sonship. And verse 20. Look at Roma, uh, Galatians 3.29. And I have to end from there, here. Galatians 3.29. Galatians says that if ye are Christ, if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So once you are in Christ, you are a son. That means that all the promises of God are yes in Christ. We are born again to inherit. We are born to be heirs. So he became the son of God. So we will become the son of God. So in conclusion, what I'm trying to say is that they will pierce, they pierce in fact, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. See what it says there. I think I would like to add that. Revelation 1, 7 says, Behold, he cometh with the cloud, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. They pierced him. And all kinds of uh, uh, all kindreds of the of the earth shall wail because of, they oh oh the one they pierced. Why did they pierce him? It's important. Jesus is the pierced one. Jesus, the pierced one. Jesus, the pierced one. Because he's the pierced one, we can take communion as the sons of God, as the redeemed ones, and as the ones who have eternal life. So we are taking communion as the redeemed. We are taking communion as ones with eternal life. And we are taking communion as the sons of God who are entitled to the, all the fullness of the inheritance in God. We are partakers. We we are heirs of God. We are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. As we take communion, we are taking communion because he was pierced. He was pierced on our behalf. He was pierced on our behalf. He was pierced. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He bore our griefs. He bore our sorrows. Thank you, Jesus. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. All because of us. He was innocent. God put the punishment of our sins upon him so that we can walk free they pierce him thank you for listening to this message by david entry to hear more from david entry follow him on facebook instagram twitter and linkedin you can also subscribe to caris church on youtube don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date be blessed